John 1, 6-8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John 1, 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Well, welcome to the weekly gathering of Christ Community Chapel. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad you're here with me in our West service or watching over in our East service or watching online. Thanks for spending some time with us. Listen, how cool is God that he is, has made it so that this week there will be Ukrainians displaced from their homes under blankets, uh, drinking bottles of water, eating meals that were provided by a church in Hudson, Ohio. Isn't that cool? That's amazing. So cool. What a great thing for God to let us be part of his heart for the Ukrainian people. And again, I want to reiterate, all this month, you can contribute to directly, all the gifts given will, con- will directly go to Ukrainian partners, Ukrainian ministries that we trust. People that we know, that we know they're there doing uh, God's work. And that's just an amazing thing to be able to see something happening in the world on the news and to know you're able to contribute, you're able to be part of what God is doing there. That's happening all of March. Another thing that's happening this month, and speak directly to you if you're watching online for a minute, is we are running a survey. One minute to take the survey, five questions, trying to figure out who you are watching online, where you are, the reasons you watch online, as we try to create the best online experience uh, for you. So help us help you by taking that survey. You'll find it in Facebook, YouTube, in the description, or by the URL that's gonna pop up periodically on the screen as you watch the live stream throughout the month of March. And you here in person over in e-service, if you ever occasionally watch online, uh, fill out that survey, let us know who you are and what you're looking to gain from an online experience so we try to make that uh, as good as it possibly can be. Uh, Listen, I'm really excited to continue our sermon series looking at John chapter one. So if you have your Bible, would you take it out, open it to John chapter one, take out your phone, your iPad, uh, flip it on, and read uh, John chapter 1 there in front of you using your Bible app or however you get to it. If you're watching online, Google it. If you're here in the West service or you're in the East service and you would like to use a Bible and you don't have one, we provide them for you. So here in the West service, they're in the pew in front of you. Over in East service, you can just throw up your hand uh, and someone will bring you one or they're in the back of the room. And I can tell you with confidence that if you're using one of those Bibles, Today's reading is on page 833. So if you don't know how to find things in the Bible, but you do know how to count, you can find it. 833, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. Take it home, read it, and discover God in it. Uh, So John chapter one, we've been looking at these 18 first verses, slowing down this spring, taking 10 weeks to go through 18 verses. And the reason for that slow and deliberate pace is because we believe these are some of the most important verses in all the Bible. They're so clear as to who Jesus is and what he accomplished in his life and his death and his resurrection, we need to slow down and we need 
to soak them in. And this week, we're going to continue to do that by looking at the next three verses, 6, 7, and 8, and then also including verse 15, because as you'll see, it's thematically linked to 6, 7, and 8. So if you're a note taker, here's an outline I'm going to use to guide our time together. I hope you'll jot this down or just have it in your mind as we spend time together. Three points, very simple. They go like this. I want to talk about the need for heroes, okay, the need for heroes, the danger of heroes, and the test for heroes, okay, the need for heroes, the danger of heroes, and the test for heroes. All right, let's start with the first one, the need for heroes. You might have been surprised if you haven't spent time in John 1 before at what these verses are about. They're kind of jarring in the context of John chapter 1 because they seem off topic to what we've been talking about. And the first five verses of John are about Jesus. We're told that Jesus is God, that he was there in the beginning, that he made everything, including us, that he is the life and light that we are looking for. I mean, there are amazing verses about who Jesus is. And then all of a sudden you get to verse six and it says, and there was a man named John. And you're thinking, I don't know who John is, but he's not Jesus. So why are we talking about him? It's weird. It's a weird transition, especially when you keep reading and in verse 9, we go right back to Jesus. So it's kind of like a commercial, if you will, about John. By the way, if you're not familiar with the Bible, let me clear up this confusion. The writer of the Gospel of John is not speaking about himself in third person. He's not like an athlete who's just scored a touchdown and said, hey, Zach's just glad he could show up today. Zach's just glad he, you know, he's as talented as he is. Uh, that's not what he's doing. He's referencing a guy you might have heard of called John the Baptist. So John, the writer of the Gospel of John, when he talks about himself in this Gospel, he will. He never uses his name. He always refers to himself as that guy or this guy or because he was a nobody when this was written. But John the Baptist, he was a somebody. In fact, John the Baptist was a rock star. The reason why... John stops talking about Jesus to talk about John the Baptist is because John the Baptist was so famous and so influential that if you talked about God at all in the first century, you had to talk about John the Baptist. You had to incorporate him into your theory, into your theology. You either had to agree with him or disagree with him. But the minute you said, I want to talk about God, somebody would say, I want to hear what you think about John the Baptist. He was a celebrity. Now, the Bible tells us this in a lot of ways. I mean, one way in the Gospel of Matthew, we're told that, that John is kind of a weirdo, okay? He lives in the desert. He wears animal skins. He eats locusts and honey. That's not a trendy breakfast spot in Cuyahoga Falls. He literally ate, he literally ate locusts and honey, okay? So he's a weird guy, but he's like a flamethrower. I mean, he speaks truth to power. He doesn't care who you are, and he's such a popular speaker. Now, keep in mind, this is a time when there's no Netflix, there's no internet, so you would often go hear people talk. That would be your entertainment. And John the Baptist is so popular that when he would go to preach, whole villages would show up. 
I mean, the whole village would clear out and come to hear John the Baptist. People were getting baptized by the hundreds. In fact, he was such a celebrity that if you keep reading in verses 19 and 20 of John 1, you'll find out that people actually thought maybe he was the Messiah. They were like, maybe are you the guy we've been waiting for from God? And even when he says no, they're like, well, are you Elijah? Are you, are you some guy who's come back from the dead or descended from, from heaven? Because you're like, you're so amazing, you have to be somebody important. In fact, John the Baptist was such a rock star. Listen, I know it's hard to think about preachers being rock stars. Touche. Okay, I get that. But he was such a rock star that when Herod, the political leader of the day, has him killed, has him beheaded, a few years later, Herod will die in battle himself. And the prevailing thought of the day, I get this from Flavius Josephus, a Jewish historian of the first century, the prevailing theory of the day was that the reason why Herod lost the battle and died was because he killed John the Baptist. I mean, that's what people believe. They're like, well, you shouldn't have killed John the Baptist. Everybody knew you should have left him alone. That's how famous he was. So here's what John knows. That the question his audience is going to have when he launches into a description of Jesus is, okay, well, wh what relationship does Jesus have with John the Baptist? He's that famous. John has to answer that question. Now, listen, I know that might be tough to resonate with because you and I, we don't have a similar affinity to John the Baptist. We, we've never heard him preach. He's not that famous to us. But consider this. If John the Baptist had been alive today, you would listen to his podcast. You would. You would share his clips on Facebook. You would buy his book. You wouldn't read it, but you'd put it on your shelf so people thought you read it, <laughs> right? It would sit on that stack of books on your nightstand that you're going to read, right? I mean, he, he's that guy. And so what John is saying here about him in some ways applies to the people whose books we do read and podcasts we do listen to and sermons we do share. What John the Baptist is letting us in on and what the gospel writer of John is letting us in on is that we need heroes. We gravitate to leaders. We like people who step up and get out in front and tell us where to go next. It's just true of who we are as humans. By the way, that's not limited to theology or to the church. That's applicable to every field. We, we like leaders in sports. We like leaders in government. If we could ever find any, we would really like them. We, <laughs> we like leaders in education. We, we like people who step up and say, I have ideas. I have the answers. I can help you get behind me. It's the way we're wired. And in John's day, that was John the Baptist. By the way, it's okay to like heroes. It really is. It's okay to resonate with leaders. Now, why do I say that? Well, there's a couple reasons. I mean, number one, look who sent John. Look at verse six. And there was a man sent from 
God. It was God who sent John the Baptist. It was God who wanted John to live in the wilderness and wear animal skin and eat locusts and honey and speak truth to power and draw a crowd. The way God got people ready for Jesus was he sent a hero. He sent a leader. By the way, that shouldn't surprise us because if you read the story of the Bible, what you'll find is God does this all the time. He's always raising up men and women to lead, men and women to step out in front of his people and basically say, get behind me. I know what God is doing and I can take us there. It's the way we are built. We want to be led. We want to rally to a hero. It's just the way we are. And it's okay. It's okay. If you're here and you're a Christian, it's okay to have a favorite author. It's okay to have a favorite preacher. And it's okay that that's not me and that you still tell me that in the atrium. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. No, it's, it's, it's okay that you have a podcaster you like, a YouTuber you like. Listen, this is the way God often works. He raises up men and women who can help us, men and women who can be examples, men and women who can teach us and guide us and lead us. That's what John is saying. Hey, there is a guy named John the Baptist, and he was a leader, and he was a heroic figure, and he came from God. We need heroes. We need leaders. It's just the way we're wired. But that leads me to my second point, which is to caution you because there is a danger of heroes. There is a danger to our need for and our predisposition to want to rally to a hero. There are some dangers to the idea of heroes. In fact, I want to hold out three to you. Three different dangers that if we're not careful, our desire to have leaders, our desire to have heroes, our desire to get behind pastors and speakers and singers and writers and bloggers and podcasters will cause us problems. Three ways. Here's the first way. It is very easy for the hero to become God. It's very, here's what I mean by that. I don't mean that you and I would say, you know, your first book was good and your second book was even better, so I've recently decided you're God. Okay, we don't say that. It's a subtle kind of shift. What I mean is eventually the hero becomes the point. The hero becomes the focus. The hero, their gifts his ability to sing, her ability to speak, his ability to write, her ability to, to comment on the situations going on in the world or the church, they become the focus themselves. They become the point. Pretty soon, we begin to make synonymous hearing from God and hearing from them. We never question them. We never challenge them. We never critique them. We just receive from them willingly, blindly, eagerly the way we should really only receive from God. By the way, that happens to John the Baptist. Look at what he says in verse 6. He says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Now listen to this. He was not the light. Now why does he have to say that? Well, because if you keep reading in verse 19 and 20, what are they saying to John? You're such a good speaker. You are such a great leader. Are you the son of God yourself? 
You see, they are saying to John, shouldn't we, John, just really listen to you? Aren't you the one who speaks from God? By the way, when the Apostle Paul is on his missionary journeys in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 19, he runs into these guys and he asks them, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. And he goes, well, who, whose name were you baptized into? And they said, John the Baptist. They had actually formed a religion around John the Baptist. They had ignored the Trinity, ignored Jesus, and were about John the Baptist. It just happens that way. Pretty soon for us, Christianity becomes synonymous with a hero. By the way, it doesn't have to be a pastor. It doesn't even have to be a teacher. It could be mom, could be dad, grandma, grandpa, some really smart person that you know. We begin to say things like, if he's a Christian, then it makes sense to me to be a Christian. If she loves Jesus, then I'll also love Jesus because she's just the greatest. Pretty soon our heroes become the center of our faith. And that's a problem because here's the second danger of heroes. They are sinners like us. It's not a question of if they fall. It's a question of when they fall. Leaders are sinners like us. They're going to mess up. They're going to blow up their marriages. They're going to lose their temper. They're going to spend their money incorrectly. They're going to mess up because they are like us. By the way, you don't even need the Bible for this. The last five years have been pretty rough, haven't they? A lot of Christian leaders falling, famously, publicly, spectacularly. In fact, some of them so much that you end up wondering if they ever really believed in Jesus at all. That's how bad it is. Listen, that shouldn't surprise us. It should grieve us. It should break our hearts, but it shouldn't surprise us. Do you know why? Because the Bible works very hard to demythologize its heroes. From the very beginning of the Bible, every time a hero rises up, God makes sure that we know he or she is flawed just like us. In fact, we could play a game. You could just shout a hero at me. Abraham lied about his wife, said she was his sister in case Pharaoh wanted to sleep with her so he wouldn't kill Abraham. Moses, temper problem, killed a guy, couldn't go in the promised land. David, adulterer, political cover-up, murderer. Solomon, I really don't have time. Okay. Peter, temper problem, denies Jesus, racial pride. We could go on and on and on, but why, why does the Bible work so hard to every time a leader steps up, it, we are being told, but he or she is just like you. He or she was flawed. They messed up. It's because the Bible is telling us leaders are important. Heroes are important, but they will always disappoint us. This is why, listen to me, if you're considering Christianity, or even if you're in the process of deconstructing your faith, here's my challenge to you. Christianity really can only be evaluated by wrestling with the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's why it's called Christianity. Your mom or dad ending up not being who you thought they were, 
Your favorite writer, author, preacher, pastor, blogger, not being who you thought they were is a reason to grieve. It's a reason to feel betrayed. It is not a reason to leave Christianity. It is not a reason to reject Christianity because, first of all, God told you it would be this way. And second, it was never about them to begin with. See, when we consider walking away from Christianity because our heroes disappointed us, what we are really saying is that our heroes, we didn't realize it, have become the center of our faith. By the way, John the Baptist was a sinner just like us too. You know, in the early parts of the gospel, John is so bold about Jesus. I mean, Jesus shows up and John says, behold, the Lamb of God. This is the guy I told you. Look at verse 15. This is the guy I told you is better than me, before me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I mean, John the Baptist is proclaiming the value of Jesus. In fact, if you go back and read the birth narrative, you'll find John the Baptist worships Jesus in Euro. Okay? That's how jacked he is about Jesus. Okay? But in Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus hasn't done yet everything John thought he was going to do, John sends his disciples to ask Jesus a question. And do you know what the question is? He says, are you the Messiah or should we wait for another? He's doubting. Can you imagine that podcast episode? Hey, thanks for tuning in to the John the Baptist podcast. Some of you guys know I've been super into this Jesus thing. I got to be honest. I'm deconstructing a little bit. I'm not quite sure he is who I thought he was. Can you imagine how rattled the listeners would have been. And yet that is always the way it goes when you build your faith around a man or a woman who's a hero, but is not God. Here's the third danger of heroes. They leave. They leave. They retire. They go to a different church or they die. I mean, John the Baptist is going to be beheaded. So his disciples in Acts 19 are walking around going, we have no idea what to do. Paul says to them, what's going on with you? And they go, oh, we don't need nothing. We don't know. Because he's dead. Listen, you've experienced this. Pastors you care about, you love, they retire, they die, they leave, they go to another church. Writers, speakers, authors, they transition, they don't put out content, whatever it is, their subject matter changes, and you and I are left feeling betrayed. We're left feeling forgotten. We're left feeling adrift. But the reality is that's because we had built around them. You see, the Bible is very honest with us. We need leaders. We need heroes. It's the way we're built. But it's also very honest with us that if we grab hold of our heroes too tightly, if we build around our leaders too closely, we are seconds away from devastation. Seconds away from devastation. And by the way, of course, I'm applying this to myself as well. You know me long enough. I serve here long enough. I'm going to let you down in all kinds of ways. That doesn't make it okay. Doesn't mean you shouldn't hold me accountable. Doesn't mean you shouldn't come talk to me. Let me know how I've failed you. Just don't be surprised by it. Because the Bible tells us that's what's always going to happen to our heroes. 
So then we're left in this conundrum, right? Because on the one hand, we're being shown by God, you need heroes, you need leaders, you need people to get behind. On the other hand, we're being told, and yet they will almost always disappoint you, and if they don't disappoint you, they will die. And you think, well, where does that leave me? And that's my third point. I want to offer you a way forward, a test for heroes, a grid through which we can think about our leaders. We could think about our pastors and our preachers and our bloggers and our writers and our speakers, a, a, an interpretive lens through which we can view them. It's very simple. It's not complex. Here it is. Do they point us to Jesus? You see, in the Bible, the heroic thing to do is to say to people, I will let you down. I will disappoint you. I will crash at some point. So the best way for me to lead you, the best way for me to serve you is to fix your attention onto Jesus because he won't. It's Jesus who is the Son of God. It's Jesus who's life and light. It's Jesus who lives and dies sinlessly, perfectly, flawlessly, and raises from the dead. It's Jesus who ascends to heaven. It's Jesus who sits at the right hand of Father. It's Jesus. Now hear me. I didn't say they talk about Jesus. I said they point us to Jesus. There's a difference. Because you can build a personal platform, a lucrative, a major personal platform by talking about Jesus. But that's not the same thing as pointing to Jesus. In fact, it came out a few years ago that a really well-known pastor whose name you would probably know, whose sermon clips you've probably seen, had children in his church, in their children's ministry, spending their time on Sundays, coloring pictures of him under the caption, thank, thank God for our visionary leader. And that guy talks about Jesus for a living. That is not the same thing as pointing us to Jesus. Look at what the writer says about John the Baptist. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. Do you know what it means to be a witness? It means to not be the one doing the thing, but be the one who saw the thing, right? The one who's telling everyone else about what happened. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Look at verse 15. This is John in his own words. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. One of my favorite passages with John the Baptist is in John chapter 3. And, and John's disciples are coming to him. And they're, they're freaking out. And this is like a Monday staff meeting. And they're like, John, listen, our attendance numbers are way down. No one is coming to your talks anymore, John. You know where they are? They're listening to Jesus. They're getting baptized in the name of Jesus. It's like they're saying, John, no one comes to our church anymore, but they opened a new church across the street and they're all going there. What are we gonna do, John? And John says, this beautiful thing. He says, listen, he must increase. I must decrease. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, hey guys, 
You know what my platform was all about when I had it? You know what it was all about? It was about getting you ready for Jesus. It was about Jesus. So if there's a better way of learning about Jesus, and you'd have to say hearing from Jesus would be superior, then I'm glad people are doing that because for me, it was not about the platform. It was about Jesus. Listen, the test we should apply to those who endeavor to lead us those who say, get behind me, those who say they will take us where God wants us to go, is when they talk, when they sing, when they preach, when they write, do we leave talking about them? Or do we leave saying, I love Jesus more now than when I walked in? Jesus is more beautiful to me now, more compelling to me now. I understand Jesus more clearly. My heart is gripped by Jesus more securely. That is the test. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, imitate me. That's hero language. That's leader language. That's teacher language. Look at me. Imitate me. But then he says this, as I imitate Christ. Do you see what he's saying? Watch me, listen to me, learn from me, do what I do, in so much as that points you to Jesus. But he's also saying, if at any point I zig when Jesus zags, stop instantly imitating me. That's what we should expect from our heroes. That's what we should expect from our leaders. That's what we should expect from our teachers because the truth is there is only one hero in Christianity and it's Jesus. That's it. And everybody who comes after them, their job is to point to him as long as it's helpful for them to do so and then to get out of the way. By the way, you can do this both positively and negatively. Positively means teach us about Jesus, point us to Jesus. It's what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 11 when he goes through the hall of faith, the, the, the list of heroes from the Old Testament. By faith, Noah built the boat, and by faith, Abraham went up the mountain, and by faith, and he goes through this long list. And then in chapter 12, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also, let us join them and fix our eyes on Jesus. He says that's the point of heroes in the Bible. They point us to Jesus. But they also do it negatively. Listen, we can learn from our heroes when they're open and honest about their struggle with sin, about their shortcomings. Listen, we have to, we have to own the fact that, listen, leaders who fall morally, ethically, their fall is on them. But we have also expected that they would portray a perfection that they never had. Instead of saying to our leaders, we don't want to hear you say, I, I am this and I do that. We want to hear you say, we, we need Jesus. We are sinners. We need forgiveness. So that inevitably, as I serve you or other pastors here serve you and we fail, you might see Jesus become a little more beautiful in that we reach for him in our brokenness just like you do because we are in the same desperate need of him that you are. Listen, in a new generation, as we think about new leaders coming, and that's what happens, 
Older ones retire, pass away, serve well, or don't. New ones rise. Let's say to all of our leaders and all of our heroes and all of our teachers, including and especially at this church, give us Jesus and get out of the way. That's what we want. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for John the Baptist and so many others who, like him, have been used by you to help us understand Jesus more, to have our hearts prepared by Jesus more. Thank you. But thank you all the more for Jesus. Because he alone lived in our place and died in our place and rose from the dead. He has rescued us from your judgment. He sits at your right hand interceding for us. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is our hero. God, give this church and all Christians leaders and heroes to look at, but make the mantra of those heroes and those leaders be and only be, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In his name we pray, amen.